0: Welcome to Conversations with Anna Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today is a very special podcast for me because I am always an avid fan of all the farmers in this world. And thank you to the Iowa Egg Council for sponsoring this podcast. Today I'm interviewing Bruce Doima. He is a third generation farmer in Sioux County, Iowa. He works alongside other family farmers to operate center fresh eggs that has operations in four counties in Iowa and also in the African nation of Mozambique. He has partnered with farmers in Mozambique to establish local egg production and build schools for agriculture education. All these farms have about 10 million egg-laying hens producing about eight million eggs a day. Bruce is passionate about the role of modern agriculture in feeding people. Iowa's egg farmers produce about 16 billion eggs per year, which is enough to feed every American for 47 days. As a husband and a father of three daughters, Doima knows that his family expects the same high-quality, affordable, and safe eggs that consumers demand across the nation. As an egg farmer, he is committed to doing what is right for his hens, which he loves his hens, and the environment, and also his community. Please enjoy my conversation with Bruce. Well, Bruce, nice to meet you. Yeah, We're actually in person at the podcast, which is super exciting for me. I don't get to do a lot of these anymore. <laughs> it's, very, it's very odd. I am very thrilled to introduce you to the podcast today. You are a farmer, but you're a special. People, whenever they think of farmers, they don't think of livestock. Usually they think of corn and beans and that type of stuff, but you're an egg farmer. Correct. Do you, do you do any other farming or is it strictly eggs? Uh,
1: well, uh, when I started farming at uh, the young age of five years old.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs>
1: uh, back then, you know, kids could actually work for their dad, you know, for their folks. So we used to be a dairy operation.
0: Okay. So that's, well, I'm sure, though, I'm sure chickens are 24 hours a day, too. They're not just.
1: Yeah. I mean, we were dairy and. We had a little bit of everything, but we didn't have chickens at that time, but we had dairy and pork and beef and-
0: All the things. Yeah,
1: all the things, yeah.
0: (laughs) How many dairy cows did you have?
1: So at the time, uh, it was, we were like 40 some, and then we grew to like uh, 70, you know.
0: And milking how often?
1: Twice a day. Twice a day. Back then, it was twice a day. Yeah. Wow. So back you, at that age, it was twice
0: the <laughs> back at the, And it wasn't all automated and stuff like that then either, was it?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't. Yeah. There, there, there's a lot <laughs> of hand labor in there, yes.
0: <laughs> so you were five years old, you family farming, so you, had dairy, you were dairy farmers primarily. So when did you transition into egg farming?
1: So I made the mistake when I was uh, in seventh grade during the summer, I asked mom and dad for uh, 12 chickens. And... Uh, They got 24 for me that summer. (laughs) So then the next summer in eighth grade, mom and dad built a 60,000 bird layer house, chicken house, for eggs.
0: That seems quite large.
1: Yeah. So it it was kind of like my dad's midlife crisis at at the time. He was 55 years old at the time, and I'm currently 59 years old, and I don't know what my midlife crisis is yet. But anyway, uh, (laughs) he... he he did that because he said I can't do dairy I can't retire or as I get older dairy is too hard I got to find something simpler so he decided I'll, I'll build a chicken house instead and he went to the bank and the banker it was going to build a 30,000 bird chicken house and the banker said you know if you're going to retire and get out of the dairy business you got you got to have 60,000 birds so he went out on a limb and Built a sixty thousand bird chicken house, and I was all excited because we we're going to be done with dairy, right? Wrong. <laughs> so my I'm the youngest of, of three brothers, of three of us, and uh, my brother, who was a freshman in college at the time, said to dad, "Dad, I'll buy the dairy from you." So as I'm entering high school now, my dad has a sixty thousand bird chicken house, and my brother has sixty cows and dad always had mom and dad always had the saying of you know if you go out for sports don't worry about the chores so when i was in high school i went out for every sport there was
0: i don't blame you (laughs) to
1: get out of chores (laughs) so um that's kind of how it started and um, that was i graduated from high school in uh, 1981 uh got married in 84 To my wife Deb. We've been married 37 or 38 years now. Uh, And in 1986, two years into our marriage, our dairy barn burned down. Mm. So my brother and I talked amongst ourselves and said, All right, we're going to build another chicken house. This is our exit plan to get out of the dairy. And this is 86, so dairy was, you know, you had to grow or get pushed out right and there was these dairy programs in the in the mid 80s to buy out dairies and because we had too much milk at the time um uh, my dad said hey let's let's rebuild a dairy and and my brother and eric and i said no dad we're we're going to build another chicken house so we ended up building another chicken house that was chicken house number 2 in the mid 80s um and that's how we got out of dairy because it was like or it seemed like uh you were putting three fourths of the labor and getting a fourth of the money out of the dairy and you're doing a fourth of the labor in the chickens and getting three fourths of the money so
0: it made sense it
1: made sense to yes. do that right sure so then in the mid nineties it's like with consolidation going on in the in the chicken business it's like uh, we kind of need to be at a million birds if we're going to stay in this for our lifetime, right? If, if we're going to stay in this all our life, we got to be a million birds because at at a uh, hundred and fifty thousand birds, it's like that's not sustainable for my dad and my brother and, and me. Our you know our three families. Three families right?
0: that you're supporting.
1: So uh, that's how Centerfresh Group started, and Centerfresh Group is in the nineties all the egg industry was consolidating you know we went from three thousand producers down to like today we're probably less than 300 producers oh wow in the country so
0: that's it for the whole country
1: yeah that produced probably 95 to 98 percent of the eggs in the country
0: oh wow had no idea
1: yeah you you have a lot of backyard flocks and stuff but you know it just makes up a small percentage but um Lost my train of thought. So, anyway, during the consolidation in the 90s, okay, we need to be a million birds. Everything's getting smaller and smaller and bigger, right? And that's how we started Center Fresh Group is it was a group of eight similar type people that all had an interest in chickens, that all had chickens, small flocks, but, all right, we need to, we need to grow and so it was eight partners, and we all had a different, we all brought a different talent to the, the pool, to the mix, you might say. So like my brother and I, we grew up managing chickens. Uh, one of the partners was a, was a feed mill guy, so he knew how to mix feed. Uh, another partner was a marketer, knew how to market eggs. Another partner was an egg breaker, broke eggs for further processing. You know, today there's about uh, probably between thirty-five and forty percent of all the eggs produced in the country are used for further processing for baking products. You know, like noodles and ice creams and cake mixes and cookies and and you know anything in the shelf in the store is, got egg in, it, right? Just Which about. a lot
0: of stuff does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A lot of stuff does. So. Uh, and we had another partner that grew the pullets. Because it takes 17 weeks to grow a pullet to become a layer, to start laying eggs. Oh, okay. So everybody had their own little talent. Oh, and another partner was in the trucking business of hauling pullets to the layer house. Because it takes a special truck to do that. Versus, hmm. you know, what you see a livestock trailer sure. go down. It's, it's different trucking, different equipment that you move chickens with, right? So...
0: So did you know all these people then beforehand? Or yeah, did we, we were okay. all
1: in the business. I mean, we were all kind of intermingled anyway. All in Iowa. Yeah, we're all in Iowa. Okay. And that's how Center Fresh started. And and today, the Center Fresh group has got several different, their fingers in a several different uh, places around the country. We have operations in Ohio, uh, in Iowa, uh, in Washington State, Oregon State, um, we actually have a partnership with uh, two brothers in Mozambique, Africa.
0: Wow, so you're well. international. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, though, that like how you all came together and you all had these different like talents that you brought to right farming yeah. and
1: to the egg business. Yeah,
0: right. That you all did that you're all were practicing, but you didn't really know until you came all together and said, "Oh, well, we need you to do this and need you to do that." And
1: yeah, it was. It's. It's been a great partnership, great ride, uh, and it's still fun today.
0: And how many? So, how many chickens do you have that you farm?
1: So, the center, the Centerfresh site, is three million birds. So, the Centerfresh group now is probably close to twelve million layers. Okay. On three different sites.
0: Okay. And that's is that in Iowa? Is that also in other
1: parts? That, that's all in Iowa, okay. and then. But if you add up all our other sites, you know, we're we're somewhere between 30 and 40 million birds. Oh my gosh.
0: That's hard to fathom that's
1: a lot of birds. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's entertaining. It's never a dull moment.
0: So what is your so you, I mean back in the day you had what was the lowest amount of birds that you had that you needed to have? Did you have 60,000 at one point? Yeah, we
1: had 60,000. And then
0: you grew to 1 million.
1: Then we grew to 150,000.
0: 150,000.
1: For about 10 years. And then we grew to a million. Okay. And then that was in 96, 97, 98 that we grew to a million. And then in uh, 2004, we grew to 4 million. And kind of since 2004, we've been adding chickens all along. There's yeah. a lot of chickens. <laughs> yeah.
0: How many eggs does a chicken lay in the lifetime?
1: Uh, so I would say average production on a, on a chicken on a, it used to be back in the day, you'd, you would say 20 dozen eggs a year. Now with genetics improvements and stuff like that, the chickens are probably laying uh, close to 24 dozen eggs a year.
0: And how what's the lifespan of an average? Lifespan. Layer, layer. Yeah, layers. Layers.
1: La- yeah, because there's broilers and layers. Broilers is meat bird. Layers is it's layers. Layers. Yep. You know, interesting tidbit about broilers yes. and layers. Yes. So this is an educational thing. So so think of they both hatch from an egg, right? Mm-hmm. And the egg is the same size. Mm-hmm. So they both hatch on day one, the same size chick, a layer and a broiler, and then. It takes six to eight weeks for the broiler to become big enough to harvest for chicken meat, for meat, right? And that's usually six to seven pounds. So it roughly puts on a pound a week during its short life of six to eight weeks. A layer chick to lay eggs takes 16 to 17 weeks to grow to... The age before it starts laying an egg, but it only weighs 2.7 pounds at that time. Wow! That's how genetics have developed over the years of specializing in a meat bird versus a layer, a bird. layer bird. But back when we started in in the in the um, it was '78 when we built our first chicken house. Back then, it took about 21 weeks before that. Layer chick would twenty two weeks to before they would start laying eggs. Now we've got it down to about sixteen weeks, and they start laying eggs.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. But that's what we have to do to feed the world, right? Right. Like we so, need
1: to... and supposedly today, we cross the eight billion people on the planet.
0: Yes, I heard that today on the news. Threshold. Yes. So. Yes. So we. So that you have to start making genetics work in our favor yeah. to create faster yeah. layer chickens, basically.
1: So it's has the
0: broiler chicken stayed the same life like time, or they have have they shortened as well, or
1: well they've shortened, but you know now in today's world, um, people want to go back. There's a lot of emotion in agriculture versus scientific facts, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, to say this gently, you know I'm. I'm for people with backyard fly. I'm not against backyard flies. Mm-hmm. So I'm not against, you know. I'm I'm for everybody. Everybody has their place. Sure. You know I'm not against anybody, but everybody has to keep in mind that we got eight billion people on the planet,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: we got to feed them. And there is a big percentage of these people with food insecurity. That we produce enough protein in the world. We just can't get it to the right spots in the world to to get the protein to the proper people that that need it. You know, even in Sioux County, Iowa, up in the northwest corner, uh, we have we have a kid's snack pack program where mm-hmm. we pack nutritional packs for these kids with food insecurity in a, in a wealthy county that don't have enough food to be fed nutritionally during the weekend. So that we pack these packs that these kids can take home. So they have protein to eat yeah. and
0: things to eat over the weekend.
1: Right. Which, which is sad to see. I mean, even even in a in a wealthy state and a wealthy county.
0: They're still, that's it, still happening. It, it,
1: it still that's, happens, right? Yes. Yeah. But we can't all have backyard flocks. Because, you know, people are against big livestock producers and people are against backyard flocks. And it's like, we need everybody. Yeah. Everybody contributes to the to the big picture. It's like we we got to be efficient, right? Right. And if we're not efficient, we're going to have more hungry people in the world,
0: right? And when you think about so, like thinking about your eggs, how like versus a backyard flock to a store or to a family, like how fast does the egg get from the farm to the grocery store? It's very fresh, and people don't understand that either.
1: Yeah. Under normal circumstances, uh, the egg that's laid is probably in the grocery store in less than seven days. That's pretty, that's yeah. That's fast. And, and nowadays, with bird flu going on around the country and the shortage of eggs in the stores, it's probably faster than that. I mean.
0: Because there's just not as much.
1: In our operations, you know, it's hand to mouth on as soon as we can get them packed they're out the door and off to the store.
0: That's amazing. And that's amazing to think of, like, just not because Iowa is one of the biggest producer or the yep. biggest producer of eggs. And so thinking, yes, we have very fresh eggs, but just even thinking about how that gets across the country to other people as well. How fast.
1: Yeah. A lot of eggs in the state of Iowa are used for further processing. But.
0: Which I think is interesting. So maybe like I, I think as a from a dietitian perspective, like when I think of an egg, I just think of the eggs in the carton on the, you know, in, in the refrigerated section. So you're saying about 40% of eggs are actually used in processing.
1: Yeah, 35 to 40%. You, you That's know. a lot. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's no other country in the world that does that much.
0: And there's actually, like you were saying, like there's a chicken cracker, like a person, or there's like a, a machine. whole machine that just yep. cracks eggs to use into products. Yep. Does every farm utilize that or is it, our eggs shipped to those locations or what does that look like?
1: Uh, it's it's both. I mean, you know, our farm is set up so all the eggs come in on on egg belts into a, into a room and they go through the washing washers and then and there's people to check for cracks and dirts and and blood spots, so it's a, it's a grade A egg going through the machine, and these machines will do uh, 550 cases an hour. Wow. Which is, you know, there's 360 eggs in a case, so times that out. I can't do the math that fast in my <laughs> it's head. It's a lot of
0: math. It's a lot of eggs. <laughs> it's a lot of eggs
1: in, in an hour. Uh, you know, we got three machines running on the farm, uh, six to seven hours a day to
0: okay.
1: on, a, on a 4 million bird complex.
0: sure. So it's like a start start of the day yeah. end of the day it's going the whole day. Yep. And so that the eggs don't meet that grade A standard to like actually go on the shelf, then that's what gets used in
1: Yeah, products. so. Well, no.
0: Those aren't used that at all.
1: Well, I mean like like in our operation we're using we're using all the eggs. But you, you got to consider the eggs that are going into the egg products is just as a good egg as a as a, what you buy mm-hmm. in the store. I don't think a lot of
0: people realize that either. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it, it is. I mean, it's, and, you know, if it's cracked or, or blood spot or dirt spot, and, and it, it goes into inedible, which then gets into pet foods and stuff like that.
0: Okay, so all egg consumption is always going to be a grade A egg, yep. Yep. no matter what form it comes in yep. in our food supply.
1: Yep, That's exactly, interesting. yeah.
0: Interesting. So for you, so like, what does the start like? What does your day look like when it comes to you know start start of the day, end of the day, as far as your operations and how you kind of are working on the farm? Because I know like automation is a huge thing, like you said, right? You got a lot of automation happening in the hen house, hen houses.
1: So, you know, back when you're small, you know, sixty or eighty thousand, or you know, a million birds. Uh, you know, a typical day you get up in the morning and, uh, you know, the first thing they do in the in the chicken house is walk your flock. So you 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 go through your house and... No make ma-
0: sure all the ladies are okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, make sure, you know, and, you know, just like in real life, you know, there's mortality going on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mortality going on in chickens, there's mortality going on in human race, there's mortality. No matter what business you're in, there's mortality. So we have, the first thing you do is you walk... You walk your whole house, your whole flock, in every building, and check for mortalities and and pull them out, right? You know, it's just part of the business. That's that's the main thing. So these houses are automated, so the the eggs go out into the egg belts, and, and then and then come down the egg belts into the buildings. Well, if a chicken passes away, uh, sometimes they lay across the egg belt and make an egg jam. Sure. And then you got scrambled eggs going on. Sure. (laughs) So try not to have that happen. But, I mean, that's first thing. You got the people that are uh, in the feed mill that are mixing feed. Um, And then you got to gather the eggs for the day. And then, you know, if you break them, like when we first started, we just packed them in flats and then shipped them to the egg breaker. Well, now... We've installed an egg break. We got our own egg breaking machines on our farm where we break it into a raw product, ship it out in tankers to the further processors, okay. where they pasteurize it and you know they make all kinds of products. So you know, like when um, think of Subway's. You know you, that egg patty in the Subway oh, store. Yeah. Yeah. Those those are probably some of our eggs in there. Interesting. They make that and freeze it. A, and they, I don't know how many patties they put in a box, but so like ship it out to Subways and and they just microwave it. Microwave and, them. <laughs> and that's that's your egg, you know, on your on your sandwich. So I like, wouldn't
0: even think of that.
1: <laughs> like um, the hotels, like that have the breakfast in the morning and they mm-hmm. have the eggs. Mm-hmm. Those eggs are all pre-made and frozen, and yeah, they.
0: Just warmed up.
1: Warmed yeah. up, heat them up, and, you know, so that's a processed egg. Sure. So, like, you take McDonald's, they have scrambled eggs, and they have the Egg McMuffin, right? Yes. So, McDonald's is the only quick service restaurant that has, cracks their egg jet, but they only crack them for the Egg McMuffin.
0: Oh, so everything else is not.
1: So, the scrambled egg is is liquid egg that they pour out, but... That's one of the cool things about, say, McDonald's versus right. the Burger King's and the other chains.
0: Right. So that's interesting that you have all that on your farm, that you do that for pretty much from yeah. point A to point e, B. You have it all covered yep. as far as the cracked eggs versus the whole eggs. And then so like when it comes to the whole pasteurization process, so... I, a lot of dietitians will, you know, they say over in Europe, they don't pasteurize their eggs. Or if you have backyard eggs, you're not pasteurizing your eggs. So what is the purpose from, like, a nutri- like not a nutrition standpoint, but a food safety standpoint for us with the pasteurization part?
1: So any egg you buy in the store in a shell form is not pasteurized. So, so
0: That's a good point. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, pr- people probably assume that, but...
0: They do. Yeah. I get asked that a lot in the grocery store.
1: And, and they're not. So, your cooking process, you know, that's why they always say cook it to a certain degree, which is the pasteurization process. Somewhere that temperature is for pasteurization, somewhere around 130, 140. I'm not exactly sure. And I could be wrong. So, you know, people out there, if you're listening to this and I'm wrong, well.
0: That's I, okay. He admits it. Yeah, <laughs> I admit it. <laughs> but the point is, is that actual eggs in the egg cartons are not
1: pasteurized yeah and that's why you know they always say cook your egg properly right Mm -hmm. people like their eggs sunny side up well it's not quite it might not be cooked quite properly hot enough but who likes a fried egg that's fried hard i do i love a hard fried egg no i don't (laughs) not Uh, you
0: (laughs) that's gonna be one of my questions for you later the the yolk has
1: got to be a little runny
0: a little ready for you gotcha Um, But everything else that has been in a liquid form has been pasteurized. Yes. So like your liquid eggs that you would, like your egg whites or like your egg products that are in a container that are liquid are going to be pasteurized.
1: And, you know, like probably the biggest growing trend in the egg industry is hard-boiled eggs.
0: Yes. Huge.
1: Yeah. And, you know, okay, so that's cooked through and through. So that's pasteurized and safe. Mm -hmm. I mean, all eggs are safe. Yes, really.
0: Yes. Absolutely.
1: If you cook them pro- If you cook them properly, just properly. like every other
0: animal product, yeah. correct? Like if you cook them to temp. So, that's the most yeah. important thing. I'm glad that you shared that about the pasteurization cuz that is a big question I think that a lot of dietitians don't quite understand here in the United States that there's a difference of the whole egg versus the liquid egg.
1: There is. There is a brand of eggs that you can buy that is ultra pasteurized. And they've they've and I forget what the name of the egg is, but it it's actually pasteurized in a shell form, and it's still you can crack it and now it it maintains a certain amount of heat for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. in order for the white not to to you know, start
0: to cook the protein cook, to cook right. yeah interesting yeah. I haven't heard of that one that seems a little weird
1: <laughs> no but it's it's out there but it's it's not a it's not a big thing like sure it, it's not i mean it catches on but just it's,
0: it's not quite caught on like right. just regular eggs have caught on. it's an expense <laughs> it's an
1: expensive process
0: sure well do. yeah ultra pasteurization would be an expensive yeah. process anyways talk to me about how the bird flu affects our supply of eggs but then also affects the cost of eggs and how that all happened. Like, you know, eggs have obviously increased in cost because of lots of reasons currently, but I know the bird flu has a huge impact on that. So maybe talk a little bit about how that affects the farm, how that affects you as a farmer and how that affects our food supply.
1: So we got hit with bird flu in 2015 at our Center Fresh site. and, And with all our sites, we had to put down about 8 million birds roughly. And that's, bird flu is one of the worst things that I've ever witnessed and ever had to gone through. And, and, you know, we're actually going through it again now uh, this year in, in 2022. So far this year, we've had to put down 2 million layers over the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. And this spring, we had to put down about 250,000 pullets. Um, it's it's devastating it's there's nothing you can do um if you get it you have to you have to kill everything on you on that farm because it's going to spread and the birds are going to die and there's nothing you can do and
0: it's heartbreaking it it is i mean yes you know in 2015
1: i was in the chicken house pulling out dead birds yeah and our our two houses our our two houses that we built first got it and 95 percent of the birds were dead in seven days oh wow that's how fast they die Mm -hmm. you know it's it's just devastating and terrible um now you know when you talk about inflation and and everything that's going on in the last couple years we won't talk Republicans no, or Democrats,
2: <laughs> but anyway,
1: over the last few years, you know, inflation and and pro- people look at eggs and say, "God, they've really inflated," but eggs would not cost what they do today. It's it's all bird flu. It's not inflation that's causing the cost of eggs. Because um, bird bird flu in um, 2015 affected uh, 35 plus million birds in the in the state of Iowa it, it, which was mainly in the state of Iowa but this year we're probably with the last 2 million that we've had we're probably right around 40 million birds since February of this year that it's affected and you take 40 million birds off of a flock the size of 320 million you know it's a little over 10%. It's a lot. You know, and just like with anything, it's supply and demand. And when you take 10% of your production out of all of the United States, out of a population of 330 million, it's a big number.
0: Mm-hmm. And. Well, it's devastating to you as a farmer yeah. because it's your livelihood, but you also care yeah. about your flock. Like right. those are, it's so important to you to keep them alive and healthy and you yeah. Do your best every day, and then
1: you know there's there, there. You know people people think farmers are cruel to their animals, yeah. but their animals are their livelihood. They're and you know my wife makes fun of me once in a while that you think more of your animals than you do of me. But <laughs> it, that's not the case, but I mean it. It is true. I mean, it, you know, like dairy cows too. I you knew every you know every characteristic of that dairy cow and. Now you don't know that of thirty, forty million chickens. You don't know every characteristic of every chicken, but sure. uh, but yet you care for them. I mean, to say farmers are cruel and inhumane is yeah. There's some there's some wild ones out there that are that way, but
0: oh sure. But for the majority, you, especially if you're so passionate about feeding the world, yeah, you're not you're not going to not care about your animals, yeah.
1: Because if they're not healthy, you're Bottom line is not healthy. and
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And then your food supply isn't healthy either. Yeah. When you think about, like, um, I always think about when you talk to dietitians about the egg and how cost effective and how great it is nutritionally, like, you know, you you might not know how wonderful nutritionally, like we, us dietitians love eggs because there's so much great nutritional benefits. But like you are talking about the egg packs that you're sending home with, you know, in food insecurities, but how much... How much that little egg can nourish a person, and how you think about the food supply that you're providing. And you think about, yes, the cost has gone up, but you're still like one of the most cost effective proteins on the market.
1: Yeah. So, you know, just rough numbers it, it takes two pounds of feed to do a pound of protein, you know, two to one. Mm-hmm. Pork is like four to one, and, and beef is like six, seven to one. You know, this to protein to a mm-hmm. to a th- one pound of protein, whatever. Uh, now, the University of Iowa, they do open heart transplants and patients, right? So, mm-hmm. the first thing they do with a with an open heart patient, the first solid food that they put them on is is an egg. They feed them an egg because it's it's the e- most easily digestible solid food that you can eat. Plus, it's the most packed, vitamin-nutrient, protein-packed thing that you can eat, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, which is kind of cool. Um, yes. You know, talking about our Mozambique operation, uh, a few years back, um, one of our employees there have has an egg-a-day program going on with a couple of the schools. And my brother and I were there to witness going to a new school for the very first time, bringing hard-boiled eggs there. And you know, we handed them out, and then the kids could start eating them. Well, believe it or not, there's people. There's some of these kids didn't know what an egg was. They knew it was food, but they actually ate it with a shell on. You know, it's like oh. we, we had a sound like, "Well, no, you got to take the shell off." <laughs> you know, the the egg. But I mean, yeah. um, and and then you you start to think of of uh, you know, like. Uh, um, pregnant women and, you know, how valuable that egg is to them for the fetal development of, yes. of the child. And, you know, now they're coming out saying that, you know, you should start feeding your, one of the first solid foods you should feed a your baby is, is, okay. is an egg, mm-hmm. right? Because they're kind of finding out, you know, with all these allergic stuff, you know, if, if you start doing peanuts and eggs and, you know, like peanut butter and stuff, They probably, earlier, they probably won't be allergic to it. So, you know, it's fascinating stuff that's coming out.
0: It is. And the choline in eggs, in the yolk of the eggs, there's the thing that I'm most fascinated with right now is the Alzheimer's risk and how choline is a huge, important nutrient to help prevent Alzheimer's later in life. So if we're not introducing it at an earlier age, then we're not getting the choline we need throughout our lifespan. So that's, I think, it's fascinating because that's just... Up right. and coming too, as well. More and more people are getting that. So, I agree. Like, I think it's one of the best. It's one of the most nutrient dense little packages of power that you can get in a yeah. grocery store.
1: Oh, absolutely. And then you know the new stuff that they're coming out that you never heard of, like five years ago, like choline, zeoxanthine, yes. lutein, and <laughs> you know all that stuff. You know, and and take like vitamin D. You know, if you can't go out and see the and and get sun, why eggs are the next best thing.
0: I agree. Well, and we're all deficient in Iowa because we don't see the sun for a long time.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Or just even where most of the United States is on the equator, we don't have the opportunity to get as much vitamin D as we need.
1: So now that you talk about the sun, so did you know that November is like the cloudiest month of the year? Is it really? Yeah, on average.
0: That makes sense, though.
1: Yeah. So eat eggs in November, but eat them all year long. Eat them all year (laughs)
0: long. If there's anything that you could share, that's, well, that's a great tip. But if you're talking to a dietitian that you say you're in the grocery store, the dietitian is, um, you know, talking to someone about an, an egg, what would you, it doesn't have to be nutrition related, but as a farmer, what would you like a dietitian to maybe share with their clients or their patients about just the conventional egg, conventional egg in the grocery store, not necessarily like the organic or the cage free, whatever, but just the conventional egg.
1: You know, I I don't I don't push any egg, you know, it's like, everybody's got their spot, the organic, the cage-free. The
0: farming, whatever farming practice you yeah. choose or you like yeah. or what you want to purchase, but as far as just the average egg.
1: Because every egg in that store, the organic, the cage-free, they all got the same stuff in it. There's, nutrition-wise, n- right? Nutrition-wise, yes. they're all the same. It's just how it was raised and what in your mindset think makes you think it's more healthy. All the eggs are the same. They're, not one is healthier, more healthier than the other. It's it's what you think you're doing for the environment, right? Mm-hmm. But um, and diet. all the chickens are
0: loved, yeah. no matter what, whether yeah. it's conventional, cage free, they're all yeah. loved. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean, forget that too. It's like yeah. you know, no matter where they live, they're loved.
1: But you know, there's there's so many studies out there, like like you know, for diet control, for for obesity and stuff. You know, egg is. Is, is a good thing to be eating for for obesity, for for diet control. You know, kids that, they've done study on kids, kids that have eggs for breakfast are better intuitive in schools and, and stuff like that. You know, it, there's just so much good news about eggs that, you know, it's, it's one of those must-haves in the store. It's like milk and eggs and bread.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think like the talking about like introducing it, the study is about introducing it earlier in a child's life to prevent the allergies and yeah. maybe you won't for, prevent them a hundred percent, but you're going to give them a better shot from having a, an egg allergy than we're, not we're, introducing it.
1: I'm working with a uh, group. It's called Blessman international and they're in They're uh it, It's actually a doctor from the Des Moines area here. Um, Dr. Blessman and, uh, He's he's a missionary now in, in South Africa, so he's got uh, nine different sites in South Africa, and we're we're gearing up to do a study on kids that have never had eggs, and we're trying to we're trying to uh, uh, use the two to five age group that have never had eggs, because he's and he and he's been doing studies on on ones that have eggs, but you know the stunted growth of Africans and stuff it's because they don't have protein and he wants to do a, a study and, and he wants to do a a, a very specific one that's credible and stuff so you know we're working with the American egg Board we're working with uh, Iowa State University and in setting this up and we're working with the University of uh, Connecticut too I believe and trying to set this up that you know hopefully in two to three years we can there'd be a you
0: know, Some credible yeah.
1: on on this because in in our OneAga program that we've done in Mozambique, um, in the school that they've been doing it in consistently, um, the teachers are actually showing up to teach. The kids are actually coming to school now because it's kind of like hit and miss when 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 they didn't when they didn't have Cassava is their main. Their
0: protein that it, they use. is a yeah. protein, which
1: is basically it's a flour. starch.
0: It's like a flour. It, yes, it, it's a
1: starch. It's awful.
0: <laughs> not it's, a fan. <laughs> it's
1: it's. Uh, they say it's like a potato, but trust me, it's not.
0: It's not. <laughs> no, it's.
1: You know, really doesn't have any value, but but it's it's a filler, right? And so when these kids know that these eggs are coming daily, you know, like they actually come to school.
0: Because they're looking because forward to eating it.
1: Because they're looking forward to eat it, and the teachers get an egg too, so they come to school. Be- oh, wow. Because the 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 educational system and the public system is just horrid. I mean, you go out in the rural areas, it's 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 a thatched roof and a and a oh, pole, sure. and and you might have a chalkboard, and and there's no one kid might have a book and one might not have a book and mm-hmm. one might have a pencil and one might not have a pencil. I mean, it's, it's
0: very hit or miss. You know, yeah.
1: we're, people in the United States don't know what, don't the, really. yeah. uh, you know, we're very fortunate, you know, if, mm-hmm. even our poor people in the United States are rich compared to sure some standards yeah. in Africa. A lot of people in Africa.
0: That's really great though that you're, Per, like tr- testing it out and seeing how just for them showing up more often shows yeah. that they're getting more nutrition, they're more energized, they yep. they want to eat that food. That's interesting. I wonder, like just seeing them eat something that they've never eaten before and their responses would be
1: so yeah. interesting. You know what's fun to watch though? So the Iowa Egg Council at the Iowa State Fair does the Egg on the Stick yes. program. Yes. It's always fun watching kids... When they get their egg on the stick, and some of them think it's a cake pop, oh, and they take that bite. It's not,
0: the, it's not the cake they were the, thinking.
1: The expression on their faces is just priceless.
0: You just sit there with a the camera, and just yeah. <laughs> kind of the phases of oop. They thought that one was a cake pop. <laughs> That's true. Do they do that? Another outside of Iowa Does that happen in other state fairs and stuff like that.
1: Um, so. Well, the Easter egg roll at the White House.
0: Oh yes, yes. uh,
1: We did that for years and years. Now this past year, we did something different, and I don't—I wasn't there for that, so I don't know. I don't think we ended out eggs on a stick, but there too, it's just—it's just priceless when a kid thinks.
0: Oh gosh, that is priceless. It's a cake pop, and (laughs) (laughs) oh, that's awesome. Well, it's so interesting to just know how how you have your hands in so many different things too. Like just on a local level, on a national level, on an international level, and how how just I guess a lot of people don't realize where eggs touch so many different places.
1: Yeah, like our 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 uh, one we supply. It's a big number to the Iowa Food Bank here in Des Moines. Um, we supply them. I'm not exactly sure of the number, but it's it's a big number of cases, of eggs per week. They come and
0: drop off. Do they drop off from your yeah. farm? Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I yeah they they send a truck out and we, and we give them. And
0: you fill it up. <laughs> we fill it
1: up and every week and wow. it gets shipped across the whole state of Iowa.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. It's incredible. Like it is incredible. Well, and I think about you know when you were saying like thirty-five to forty percent of you know eggs are not even just in whole form; that they're in so many other forms in the food that we eat. Like that's a great perspective to think about what other things that eggs are actually in that we're not even thinking about.
1: Yeah.
0: And if we're going to Subway or McDonald's, too, like yeah. or, or 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 hotel breakfast that we're consuming, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating as far as, again, like thinking, and we didn't touch on like all the different farming practices, but just the fact that at the end of the day, our eggs all provide us with the same amount of nutrition, whether it's, you know, no matter how it's farmed and how so much of it is very fresh from farm to store and how it's very accessible. But then also kind of thinking about, again, how the bird flu impacts Our supply, our demand, our cost, and it's not just the inflation component. And how much you do care about your 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 chickens? I mean, absolutely. A lot of people don't. They don't put that together with how much the farmers love their love their chickens too. So I appreciate that that you're sharing that. And that from five years old, you've had an interest in farming. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Didn't have a choice at five years old. Not at
0: five, but when you were in eighth grade and you got your your twenty four chickens that yeah. you started with, that's yep. pretty amazing.
1: Be careful what you wish for. I
0: know. And <laughs> what do you think about like all the people that are having them at home now in their backyards and stuff? Do you think that's pretty cool, or does that? How do you feel about that as a farmer?
1: Uh, a lot of mixed feelings. I mean, you know, so I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but. In 2015, the USDA, APHIS, you know, they do all kinds of bird testing, right? Wild birds and stuff. They estimated that the migratory birds that fly north and south, you know, whether it's (laughs) spring or fall, Mm -hmm. they estimated 5% of the wild bird population had bird flu back in 2015. This year in 2022, they're estimating probably... 35% or higher of the wild birds have are infected with bird flu. Oh, wow. So it's, it's much more prevalent and that's why we didn't see it go away in the summer this year. And it's now into the fall and we're, you know,
0: still dealing with it, it.
1: snowed outside today. So it's kind of like winter and it's prevailed. It's still pre- prevalent in the United States. Now it's way more prevalent in Europe. Um, than than here so and it's worldwide i mean it's it's in south africa it's in it's in korea it's in europe it's it it's a worldwide problem and it's not going away now there are vaccines but um it's it's not accepted because you got trading partners right you got economic trade barriers going on and You know, if you got bird flu, it's kind of like, well, we don't want your product because uh, you got bird flu and um. type of thing. But you know, even if you got bird flu, it's safe to eat those eggs if you cook them properly, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not going to just because you got bird flu, it's not going to transfer to the human um, if you cook it properly. Mm-hmm. So that's you don't have to worry about that. But uh, if you contact bird flu, you know, like if our all eggs that we have on site are Destroyed. That's that's it. Those those eggs don't move anymore and are destroyed. So, getting eggs from bird flu chickens is you you don't get. Gotcha. Because it stopped and destroyed. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been watching the last several weeks. There there comes a report out on Friday of how many bird flu cases there have been across the United States. So the unique thing about 2022 is bird flu is all over the United States. In 2015, it was mainly Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, a little bit. It was concentrated in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Um, Of those cases, there's been roughly 14 to 18 cases a week of bird flu. And of those 14 to 15, it's usually about 75% of them are backyard flocks. Oh, no. And then there's probably one or two turkey flocks in there. Turkeys seem to be the most susceptible to bird flu. Um, and then there's maybe a duck flock or a wild game flock in there. And there's probably, and then it seems like once a month or so there might be a, a layer flock in there. And there might be a broiler flock in there. Um, you know, broilers being the short lifespan they have. Mm-hmm. Now, the, it's usually broiler breeders that. You know as you're using them for the eggs fertile eggs to they're the ones that get the birds as well you know so so you kind of got mixed feelings with the backyard flocks sure. that 75 and these backyard flocks are 20 to 30 birds sure. or 40 birds or whatever but you know they're outside in the conditions mixing with the wild birds you know and, and so yeah they're more susceptible you know, like like we spent, we spent several million dollars on, on a new biosecure entry system into our chicken houses. So we're very conscientious. You know, like when our people come in, when our employees come in, they take off their shoes, go into the, and then we have a shower in facility. They, you know, they take off the clothes, shower in, put on our clothes, put on our shoes they go through the lunch room, and then when they actually get to the chicken house, they change their shoes again. And, you know, we've done that on two of our sites, and since 2015, to you try to do everything you can to try to protect your flock. Because mm-hmm. they always say it's tracked in, or, you know, it's tracked in, and, you know, sometimes we disagree and say, oh, it's it's airborne, but... Sure. By and large, they say it's tracked in. So you you try not to argue with the government, but you, you kind of have your suspicions. Sure, sure. You, you'll never know until the end days, right?
0: Yes, yes. But the end of the story is that with the backyard flocks, there's more interactions with birds, right. with wild birds. And that's, again, flying all over the place. And, and,
1: and, and you know, it's like... If I had one word of advice for backyard flock people, keep them locked up. Don't let them out. Don't let them roam. Don't let them roam. I mean, you know, we went pasture-fed. Uh, you know, we, we like our chickens running around. Lock them up. I mean, they're doing it in Europe. They're locking everything up because it's, it's so, bird flu is so bad over there. It's, you know, it's worse than what we have it here.
0: Interesting. That's interesting. That's a good message, though, for people yeah. that do have them. I can name, like, five of them in my head of people I know right now that have yeah.
1: them. I, I know of a – I'm on the ambulance uh, in our town. Oh, sure. I'm like on a, the ambulance crew, and, and one of our paramedics has got a backyard flock in, in Sioux City, and I, I tell him keep your birds locked up. Lock them up.
0: Don't let them <laughs> Please. out. Please.
1: Don't let them out. Yeah. Because I said
0: – For the safety of – Birds. for yeah, sa- yeah safety and of
1: birds I mean
0: that's so interesting that's a good message I like to hear that though because that's yeah. something that again dietitians that's a great you never know like who dietitians would interact with with yeah other backyard farm prize dietitians that have backyard flocks yep. <laughs>
1: so keep them inside keep I mean that's it's a-, it's a good message
0: I was wondering about that I had that thought too of just thinking about going out to my friend's farm and they're running all over the place. and Yeah. Yeah.
1: Your your chances of getting bird flu are pretty high if they're running around.
0: Sure. Interesting. And,
1: you know, if, if you lock them up, make sure you change your shoes before you go in your chicken house. Oh,
0: sure. Have chicken house shoes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Have houses, you know. Don't, yes. Don't, you got a line of separation. I mean, our our commitment on our farm is what's inside is inside, what's outside is outside. So when our employees go inside, if there's a problem on the outside of the house, we call an outside crew to oh, sure. fix it. So when you go inside, you're inside all day. And it's um,
0: really interesting.
1: You know, that line of separation is the door, the wall, the building. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's the way people with backyard flocks should treat their flocks.
0: Sure, should be the same
1: because i i think eventually we will have vaccines but i think we're one to two years away from that cuz there's there's five major trading countries that export eggs and 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 broiler meat mm-hmm. chicken meat and there's 20 countries that are receiving okay. that from those five you know that's that's from those five countries and that's the way the trading works around the world and the whole world has to accept vaccination
0: sure before it can happen before it can
1: happen right because you know in 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 the in the chicken world us layer people only export probably five percent or less of our product but in the broiler side the meat side those guys are probably exporting thirty-five to forty percent of their product.
0: So it's a lot. Yeah.
1: So, for them to get locked out of trade is is a huge issue.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's that's why everybody in the bird world has got to agree. Got to get
0: on board the bird world. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> it's true though. You have to all agree in the bird bird world.
1: Yeah, you got wild game birds. You got pheasants. You got turkeys. You got ducks. You got
0: that's true. Chickens. You got. And you got chicken meat, you have eggs. Yeah. I mean, you have, yeah, so many different entities. Gosh, you have duck eggs, too, and then you can go yeah. into that whole thing. Quail eggs, quail.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: it's <laughs> a lot of fowl. I know. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, a very educational. I mean, I could probably sit here and talk to you all day about all the different things. You seem like you have tons of knowledge, and I will definitely tap into your resources <laughs> if I ever ever have if any, if any feedback on this podcast too, cause it's just very interesting. Um, well, I always end my podcast with a few questions. These are the, these are the hard questions versus all the easy questions I just asked you, uh, besides eggs, what are some foods that you enjoy?
1: Well, so I'm from Northwest Iowa in the state of Iowa. You love meat, right? Yes. <laughs> so I've, I've kind of got a new hobby cause I got a smoker
0: Ooh! So I
1: love smoking meat lately because it's—that's an art. I know it's—it's
0: the different wood that you smoke with. I mean, it's like all the things.
1: So uh, ribs have become a new favorite, and brisket is fun on on a a grill.
0: I can and I love when you smoke things outside when it's cold outside because, like, I feel like the smell is just so much more rich and intense. Yes, it smells delicious. I will have to ask you, what is your favorite way to have an
1: egg? So I'm kind of a deviled egg nut. Are you? Yeah.
0: Do you make them yourself? Do you oh, have, yeah. like a secret recipe?
1: Oh yeah, I have, I have several. Do you? <laughs> I, yeah, I have several. So I've, I've done, uh, we have a political event up in Sioux Center every now and then, and the governor comes down. So I've done four or five times for the governor when she comes into town, and that's usually, uh, uh, anywhere from 150 to 200 eggs at a time that I gotta oh my gosh. do up.
0: That's a lot.
1: Yeah. But now there's a company in Omaha called the Deviled Egg Company. I have never heard of this. Yeah, no, really? G- Google it. I mean, this, she, this uh, couple, Zach and uh, Rachel, are amazing. Uh, I actually had to do an egg delivery today to them. Did you? Yeah, because they live in Omaha and they're doing between five and 10,000 eggs a week of deviled eggs.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And they texted me. Uh, they've only been open for a year. They texted me Sunday night saying, we can't get eggs in Omaha. Oh, my gosh. And Just I,
0: about two hours from here.
1: Yeah, two yes. hours from here. Can't get eggs. We've been to all the Targets. We've been out to all the Baker's store. We've been out to all the Walmarts. We can't get enough eggs. And I said, well, how many do you need? She says, I need 10,000. It's the holidays. Oh, yeah. I'm like, 10,000? That's all.
2: <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> now, we break all our eggs, so we can't sell them as, as eggs in the shell form. Sure. And so uh, one of our partners grades eggs, so I called him Monday morning. And, and so I actually, when I was driving up today, took 12 cases with me. So I took 4,500 eggs with me. Oh, my god. And we met in Missouri Valley yeah. and did the handoff. <laughs> And I said, okay, my wife and I are going on vacation December 1, So, and we're flying out of Omaha, so I can, if, if I take Deb along, <laughs> which I'm going to take Deb along, <laughs> and our luggage, I assume I can get at least six more cases, and so I, I got to take eggs up. You're taking and,
0: up more eggs?
1: More eggs. and
0: Oh, my gosh. So anybody
1: from northwest Iowa that's traveling down to Omaha... I can send eggs. We
0: can send some eggs in your car yeah. with you. <laughs> but that's a crazy company. To, I'm sure they're doing. It sounds like they're doing amazing.
1: Oh yeah, no, it's kind of a wine bar, so they kind of have flatbreads and egg salads, and and uh, she's got like 30 different varieties of deviled eggs. So I
0: was just there this weekend. I'm gonna have next time I go. I'll have to check it out. Well, you you can start. You could probably. You're a deviled egg guy. You can start your own business outside yeah. of your other <laughs> business. No, it's it's,
1: it's my hobby. <laughs> so it's your
0: hobby that and brisket. Yeah. Um, what about beverages that you enjoy? Anything that you enjoy drinking with your brisket?
1: Well, I've never acquired, acquired the taste for beer, so I'm not a beer drinker. And I'm not a wine connoisseur. Um,
0: it doesn't have to be alcohol. It could be like yeah, water. No. Or
1: well, water. yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm big into milk and water.
0: I mean, those are delicious. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of those,
1: too. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a funny thing growing up on a dairy farm. So when, when, when you're a kid <sighs> on a dairy farm, you drink the milk raw, right? So good. I mean, yes. we, we did pasteurize it and then yes. drink it. So yes. b- basically, it's like whole milk, right? Yes. So when we stopped dairying and you had to buy milk in the store, we started out buying 2%. No, we, we started out buying whole milk, and then we went to 2%. And then we went to 1%. And now I'm drinking skim milk.
0: Oh, gosh. That's way different. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like,
1: <laughs>
0: That's a hard transition.
1: Yeah. Well, it's kind of like you acquire the taste.
0: You do. Sure. For it. But there's nothing like fresh milk off the farm. Yeah. It's delicious. I could use that yeah. in my coffee. That'd be delicious on my cereal.
1: But an egg, <laughs> is, an egg is an egg is an egg. That's so, true. That's you know, true.
0: What about scents or smells that you enjoy?
1: I don't like tofu. You
0: smell. don't like t- <laughs> it? Doesn't smell good to you?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. Truffle, truffle. Sorry, truffle, not not tofu. Truffle. <laughs> I hate that smell.
0: It's strong. Yeah. It's very strong.
1: Yeah. I mean. Yeah. If 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 it's strong, it's it's. It's bad, and but a little bit of flavor in, in in your food is I can I can handle it, but if it's strong,
0: you can yeah. smell it. Like if you like I, if someone's walking by with a dish with pr- truffle, I can smell it like instantly. Yeah, you're like, ooh, that has truffle in it. It's like, whoa. <laughs>
1: my uh, my youngest daughter and and her wife uh, love it. Do they? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it's a
0: very acquired taste. Yeah, it's very fancy. Yeah, it's in fancy stuff. <laughs> yeah um what's something about you that not a lot of people know
1: well i gave away my doubled eggs so uh,
0: i know now i'm going to be thinking about that you're gonna have to send me one of your recipes that's yeah. not a secret
1: yeah <laughs> well i i could say my secret ingredient is miracle whip Ooh. instead of mayonnaise a lot of people
0: most people use mayonnaise yeah
1: no i use miracle whip.
0: interesting okay
1: that's, okay. that would, that, that's my secret. That's your that, secret.
0: That's the thing that we don't know about you is that you put Miracle Whip in your deviled eggs. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Do you, do you like Miracle Whip otherwise instead of mayonnaise? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because May- either I feel like you're a mayo person or you're a Miracle Whip person.
1: Yeah. Mayo is like so blah.
0: <laughs> there isn't a lot to mayonnaise.
1: No. It's like Miracle Whip's got a little bit of a kick to it, right? That's true. A little bit more flavor. But hmm. if you go to Africa... Their mayonnaise tastes a lot like our Miracle Whip. Does it? Yeah.
0: I remember when I was in school for being a dietitian, and we had to take a foods class and we had to make our own mayonnaise with eggs. But, yeah, it's pretty bland. It's just like nothing to
1: it. Yep.
0: Interesting. Um, and finally, what brings you joy in life?
1: Deviled eggs. Deviled eggs. <laughs>
0: and your wife. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I I
1: was going to I was going to say Deb first and then the kids and but no. I I truly love the egg business. It's it's been a lot of fun. It's it's uh it's never boring.
0: And you're very passionate about yeah. it. That's why you're still doing it, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. I'm I'm glad I'm not doing dairy, but Yes. <laughs> I,
0: well, we did. We knew you were going to get out of that, that someday, yeah. right? <laughs>
1: but you know what? Uh, I love dairy farmers, so and I love milk, so I'm not against dairy at all.
0: No, you just didn't want to be a dairy
1: farmer. I just, yeah, I didn't That's want to okay. be because mm-hmm. you know the cool thing. Of, here, here's the thing about dairy and, and and eggs that I always use as an analogy is now it, it's different. But remember, I was milking cows in the '70s when we only milk cows twice a day,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so. Cows, you got to milk twice a day, so you got to be there morning and night, right? Mm-hmm. So when we switch to chickens, it's like they—you only got to milk them once because they only lay one egg. So
0: <laughs> It frees up a lot of time. <laughs> it, it
1: frees up a lot of time because it's like, you know, like a cow, you're like married to it because I got to be there in the morning, I got to be there at night. Because if you put a stranger in there when you're milking cows, those cows know it because they know the characteristics, they know your actions. I mean, a cow knows who's milking it. You know, it's it. It's an intimate relationship mm-hmm. between you and the cow, mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, chickens, they lay their eggs in the morning. So, if you're good, you can have your eggs collected by noon, and you can take the afternoon off if you want. Like It's
0: kind of nice. Yeah.
1: But and then I got into growing pullets. Uh So, you know, I've all the years that I was in the chicken business like from from uh 78 to uh 2009, I was I was in the layer side and and the egg side, and then my partners and I said, Bruce, you gotta you gotta do pullets, you gotta you gotta grow pullets because we couldn't find a pullet grower. Mm-hmm. And you know that's where you grow the baby chicks to to be layers. Well, that was pretty cool. And I said all during those years of being a layer guy, I don't want to be a pullet guy because that's a lot of work because
0: they're babies. They're babies, and <laughs>
1: I, I, I don't I don't want to do that. I never want to do that, but. When I switch, it's like, well, cows, you got to milk twice, chickens lay an egg once, so I got to collect them once, but pullets, yeah, I just... You're I just, just growing them. They're just growing them. So <laughs> it's like, you know, if I want to be out of here at 9 in the morning, I could be out of here at 9 in the morning instead you of new. You just
0: transitioned, like, yeah. you just kept improving on in life when you came to chicken farming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, anyway.
0: Well, it sounds like you have a lot of joy in your life you're a busy guy and i really appreciate you taking your time to talk to us dietitians and anybody else else interested in helping all this and thanks for sharing your story
1: you bet it's a lot of fun
0: passion for farming he has passion for his animals he has passions for his family and bruce has passion for his deviled eggs I loved this conversation because I think it just lends to the fact that farmers care about the production of the food that they make for the world, for our country, for each of us, but then also for their families. And you know, when you think about eggs, we don't always think about those other intricate parts that create the eggs, that cares for the eggs, that produces the eggs. We think about the nutrition of the eggs, which is very important as dieticians. But i think it's always great to have this farmer's perspective and to know all the things that they are doing to feed the world and eggs are part of that they're, we all know as dietitians they're nutritious they're delicious but they're also very affordable and they also pack a pretty important punch when it comes to nutrients i hope you head to the show notes you have to connect with bruce if you have questions and then also, you must watch his video for his sweet and sassy deviled eggs. And if you listen to the podcast, you know his secret ingredient. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.